0: I couldn't tell what song it was until halfway through because he was putting so much, like, lib in it. It was just, like, <laughs> well, all over the place. I just couldn't tell what was actually going on. Okay, so let's, like, do some follow-up then. How many people did you give this to? You gave it to no one. Yeah. And I gave it to four people, and I heard back from two of them.
1: Ah, who was the other one you heard back from?
0: Uh, so I also heard back from the guy that I have class with. Mm. What did he say? He really liked it. our... Discussion on Interstellar. Yeah. He hasn't actually seen Interstellar. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. I hope we didn't spoil We should have it. said
1: spoilers way earlier, because <laughs> I know
0: I didn't say it early enough. <laughs> but he heard a lot about it, and he said he was very interested to hear our perspective as people who study physics and um, are, like, you know, normal, young 20s people about our perspective on Interstellar with the physics, but also with the cinematic touches to it. And so
1: <laughs> he, he was he was very interested. He really enjoyed that. Oh, that's nice. You'll appreciate what I have to say about it <laughs> that I have been thinking about.
0: So your review your follow up on Interstellar is just more things that you've thought about about Interstellar?
1: Well, it's something I thought about originally, but I've like summarized it. Oh, you more, in my it's head. more succinct now? Yes. So go ahead. Um succinctly, my problem with the black hole scene is that he never should have made it in.
0: He would have been spaghettified?
1: Yes. There's no spaghettification, and this is like we know that this would happen. Oh, very true, actually. The bifurcation, bifurcation. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson actually talked about it in his review, and he
0: got a little excited about it. It was kind of weird. <laughs> he was, like, telling this interviewer about sp- spaghettification, how you'd go through, and then you would bifurcate as, like, the bottom half and the top half have so much, such a different pole of gravity that you would rip in half, and then each of those pieces would rip in half further and further, and you would just... He ripped apart. But he got a little too excited
1: explaining it. It was kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that being very creepy. But the bottom line is, maybe Tar survives, or at least some chips. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Everything, Everything. bifurcates. Yeah, he... he Everything spaghettifies. So, right down to the like to the atomic level. It just all goes... That's my first problem. And my second problem, I think what they're trying to get at, because they keep talking about this quantum data, right? Yeah. They're very careful not to be specific. But... The idea is this is how they're going to communicate information from inside mm-hmm. the thing. Because the problem with the black hole is you can't communicate because light doesn't escape the pole. It mm-hmm. bends space-time so much that light isn't moving fast enough to slingshot around because the space-time is so bent that it just goes in.
0: Yeah. If you cannot have electromagnetic radiation
1: escaping the black hole, you basically can't have information escaping. You can't send a signal. And so the misconception is that two particles that are quantum entangled basically... They're created.
0: Derek Vertassian does a pretty good video about this on YouTube. He does a whole, like, quantum entanglement and the whole issue of separating entangled particles and getting information out of it, but he debunks it.
1: When two things are quantum entangled, the misconception is that if you know, for example, the spin of one of them, you automatically know the spin of the other one, and that's instantaneous, so all of a sudden you've communicated something faster than light but you haven't communicated it, you're still in the same place in time, and you just know both things. Yes. It's not like the other quark sent you the information. It's just an implication. Yes. And if you were to tell someone who is observing the other quark what spin your quark is, you would have to send that with a signal. Exactly. Derek's video is called Quantum Entanglement and Spooky Action at a Distance. Thank you.
0: And basically he says that if you separated two entangled particles and you saw that yours was spin up, therefore you knew the other was spin down well that's cool if they saw it they would see that theirs was spin down and yours was spin up but that doesn't mean you actually knew anything about what was going on you just knew that yours was spin up or spin down and in the end that's all you know is that it's up or down and you can't actually send any information he does a very very good job at explaining
1: it much better than I did yeah it is a bit difficult to explain really that's true Anyway, the bottom line is, you can't communicate information that way, and that was how they were supposed to communicate. Out of the black hole, they were supposed to communicate the information so that the people could mess with gravity, and then they would know the solution to their problems, right? Mm -hmm. This is why they were going in in the first place. You can't do that. (laughs) So that 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 was my main problem with that scene. But still, it creates for an interesting plot twist. It makes one. Sorry, that was my English failing. Makes for an interesting plot twist. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so still, good film. Very good film. Yep. Top notch.
0: So, this is the beginning of July. So we just had Independence Day weekend. Which, I had no idea, but apparently it's called the 4th. Like, people say Happy 4th. I had no idea that was a thing. I thought people would say Happy Independence Day, because it's Independence Day. And in fact, if you say Happy 4th of July, or Happy Independence Day... It's actually the same over syllable. (laughs) (laughs) That is just like you to take the time to count. (laughs) And so I suppose it makes sense to say happy
1: 4th instead of happy in. Right. Or in de. Happy 4th, but it still is pretty common to say happy 4th of July. Which is really strange to me, because every country has a 4th of July. I think it's because it's become so iconic, because the Declaration of Independence is dated like... July 4th, 1776. Mm -hmm. And so we're all taught in our history classes here in the United States that that is like, it's a very historic day. Yeah. Really, I think a more appropriate birthday of our country would be when the Constitution, you could pick either was signed or ratified, I would say ratified. Yes. Because that's when we became the country that we are. Yeah, Or that's we, when the country was born independence day was when we just declared we're not going to be part of the uk well would become the uk anymore yes we're we're not going to we're not going to have any of that that kind of implies that we are our own country but really all it implied is that like all these colonies are not ruled by you but are we together as a nation are we not i don't know oh yeah i see anyway, i was thinking about that earlier that 17 i think it's 89 1789 was when the Constitution was written. I'm not sure how long it took all of them to ratify. Probably the early 1790s, 1790, 1792. Oh. That would have been like when our Constitution was ratified. It was actually quite a bit. We were un- we were under the Articles of Confederation for a while. Anyway, this is not a history podcast, but
0: I, that, have, I, I had, had no so idea.
1: <laughs> I can't expect to you, too. You're Canadian. I learned a fair bit about America, but
0: not that much. And I also have not yet taken American Heritage. Oh, I was going to say, you, you'll learn that in American Heritage. As far as my experience goes, this was the first Independence Day that I've ever experienced with Americans. <laughs> oh, I'm so interested to hear this. So I was <laughs> like, I was in uh, Canada my whole life. Otherwise, I had never spent an Independence Day or a fourth of, the 4th of July in America. There was once where I actually spent the 1st of July in America, and then we ended up going back to Canada by the 4th <laughs> just because of how our schedule worked and things like that. But I was in England. Serving my mission and the first Fourth of July that passed, I had a German companion, and it was quite interesting because at church people wished us both happy Independence Day.
1: Because <laughs> they thought you were both American. Yeah, because it's just so
0: common that you would have an American missionary, or uh, both of them be American. <laughs> that's hilarious. I mean, they gave us
1: chocolate, and it
0: was good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just...
1: Just a show like, you know, that they're on good terms and, like, a show of goodwill. Like, yeah, we know that there was this war, but we don't care about that anymore. Yeah. And you're thinking, but we never had this war with you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then the uh, the second time, I was with a, a British companion. and I mean, it was uh, a preparation day, so we had met up as, like, a district, because it was the 4th of July, and out of the 8 of us, 4 of them were American. Okay. And so... That was the first time I'd ever been around an American on Independence Day, but it wasn't the same because there were no fireworks, there were no parades,
1: because we were in England. They didn't, right. They Obviously, didn't care. They don't care. Probably don't even remember most of them. <laughs> had it, I, I don't know. Maybe the members do because they interact with Americans a lot, but... Yeah. So, it started out pretty well. My bishop, the Bishop of our Ward,
0: he, every year for the past like four or five years now, he's had like a, his family all come over and he's... They've made like a huge pancake breakfast, and he invited the you young mean the
1: single adults to come and join him too. You mean Bishop in Canada? No, I'm sorry, Bishop here in Utah. Oh, sorry. In Provo. We jumped a couple countries and skipped a few years.
0: Yes. <laughs> sorry, I was going back to like two
1: days ago when. Oh, okay. It was, so your bishop invited everyone. Pancakes. Yeah. So I
0: started out the day with, it was actually French toast this time, but a no French toast breakfast. The French helped us in the war, so that's appropriate. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was no cinnamon on that French toast, but. Is all right. And there's no real maple syrup. That was also a
1: little disappointing. Garrett, have you had real maple syrup ever in this country that you didn't bring with you?
0: Mm, no, because
1: it's pretty expensive to buy. And I'm pretty sure,
0: I'm pretty sure that the Vermont maple syrup is the same as the Canadian maple syrup. Maybe
1: we're a long ways from Vermont. It'd be hard to know.
0: But I usually just buy the Canadian maple syrup if I'm going to buy real maple syrup. But I don't buy it down here. I buy it in Canada. Bring it down. It usually doesn't make it past my brother's house. I usually give it to him and his wife. <laughs> because they like it a lot more. <laughs> so anyway, spent the afternoon. I didn't see any of the parades. I was told about it. It was a parade. I was most excited to see the uh, the fireworks display. Since uh, yes. America loves blowing things up. I wanted to see what their display was going to be. Did it disappoint? Well, I made my way to the Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And I actually sat up on the hill... I didn't, I didn't pay to go inside because I think it was like $35 for the nosebleed section.
1: Well, yeah, Journey was in there. So. Yeah, or
0: $200 basically for the front <laughs> row. Yeah. But I was up on the hill and I could hear Journey. Like I could hear them singing. I could hear the lyrics. And Sorry, the which hill? Like by the temple? No, it was if you go straight east of the Lavelle Rouge Stadium. There's like okay. this dirt hill oh. of some kind. It's like right next to the stadium, and I just went right there. So you were basically at the concert. I basically was, yeah. I mean, I nice. could see people in the stadium. I could, I was watching the big screens. I could probably, I don't think I could have thrown a rock and hit the stadium, but it would have gotten pretty close. Like, I was pretty close to the stadium. Nice. That
1: is, I'll have to remember this for next year if I'm here.
0: Yeah, it wasn't too crowded either. Wow. And the wind was also favorable. It was blowing from east to west. Ah. So it blew all the smoke and debris of the fireworks away from us. So, anyway, after Journey performed, they started the fireworks. And they were pretty good. I mean, they were better than the ones in my hometown way up in the north where there aren't people and <laughs> they don't have a budget, you know. Right. Those are decent for Canada Day. But I, uh, it was just. The whole day was so interesting because of all the things that I have experienced and seen in living in different countries, one of the most difficult things for me to understand is (laughs) hyper-patriotism. Yeah. I mean, I understand being patriotic and belonging to something and feeling a sense of belonging, but hyper-patriotism is something that I've never been able to understand, even though I have actually tried to understand it. It's just something that I don't
1: just don't... And I'm sure there are even, like, other Americans as well that just don't understand other Americans' hyper-patriotism. I'm one of those, I I think. There are certain things that'll get me going, but it's because I feel like they're moral injustices rather than, like, just specific to our country things. Yeah. Anyway,
0: they shot off the fireworks, and they were really good. Then they sort of paused, and the MC guy, he's like some talk show host, apparently he's important, I don't remember his
1: name. I'd be interested to know if you can find out later. Maybe.
0: He quoted.
1: I think the whole Declaration of Independence is it that long? Uh, it's actually not that long. It's.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, so he would have. He probably quoted the whole thing then. I did recognize the part of um, when he said the pursuit of happiness. Oh yeah. Like that that, that sentence there. So they sort of paused the fireworks for that, and then when he finished, more fireworks and everything. Right. And then they had a couple more people come on stage and they sang America the Beautiful and they had gentle fireworks going off during that when they were singing. And I think that moment was the closest I got to feeling patriotic for America. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I grew up in Canada. Yeah. Like, I lived the first 19 and a half years of my life in Canada. And then I lived two years in England. So the Commonwealth runs a lot deeper in me than any bit of America does. They were singing, and then there were more fireworks, and the finale was quite spectacular. It really was. I had my phone out, and I have an app that records the decibels
1: of things. <laughs> Most people are snapchatting this, and Garrett is recording the decibels. So fitting. it never broke a 100 though. Uh, I was so shocked.
0: It got to 99.
1: Well, it might have bro- it might have broken it if you were in the stadium.: Yeah, or Yeah, it would have sound intensity. Yeah. Drops off as one of our squares.
0: I was close, though.
1: Yeah, but you still lost a lot.
0: I think (laughs) I also lost the the cup of the stadium. Oh, yeah. Right, because the sound would have reverberated a little more inside the stadium. Yeah. But there were some fireworks right at the end that were not showy. They were just big, like, explosions. Just loud ones. Yes, and those ones, I could feel the pressure wave on my t-shirt i love those <laughs> quite frequently you can feel it on your chest it's a big one just like boom like whoa that was a good one yeah but these ones they were so frequent and so big that i could feel like the t-shirt on my arm hitting my arm <laughs> like the vortex cannon in the irene <laughs> <laughs> right man that's so that's the so whole time good. i was just envisioning these spherical pressure
1: waves that were just expanding out from the center of it it was a bit you know that's a good experience yeah, it was really good. So, I have a couple comments on the 4th of July. Okay. This is my first 4th of July that I spent with someone not from the United States. Ah, oh, that's right, your wife. Who's my wife? <laughs> my first 4th of July with a non-American. We were also with my family. Um, and my wife's usually pretty quiet about like her opinion on stuff like that. Because she's adaptable, I guess you would say.
0: And honestly, sometimes it doesn't really
1: matter. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it doesn't. But the comment that always, like, resurfaces when there's, like, some kind of party is... Party is in, like, a... uh, Some kind of celebration. Celebration party, Or something. Okay. So, usually, there's a party of some sort. Uh It may have, like, a higher celebratory purpose, but as a general thing, it's a party. Right. Mm -hmm. There's food, people, you do a thing. Yeah. Ecuador always knows how to party harder than the United States. Like, always. For example, there are... There are parties... They do start later, but they go way later. Like they'll start at like eleven mm-hmm. or ten, yeah, and they will go till five or eight. Holy the cow. next day. And the other thing that we're always missing that they have is dancing and music. Yeah, we're not always missing this, but we always have less at least. Yeah. So these were her comments. Like, ah, oh, it feels like this holiday, except there's no music, and then and no one's dancing. And <laughs> um, she's from the coast in Ecuador, so the beach is always like missing too. For example. We went with my dad's family, and I haven't been there for a while, to a small little town in Idaho, southern Idaho. It's a pretty... Uh, this weekend? Yeah, this weekend. Just just like Saturday Yeah. afternoon to Sunday. What um, town is it? It's called Lava. That's how they pronounce it. Lava. It's spelled like lava, like, you know, yeah. a volcano. They have some hot springs. Lava hot springs? Yeah, lava hot springs. You I've may heard, have heard of them. I've heard of lava hot springs. They are... Really pretty much as good as you say, except you smell funny afterward because they're hot springs. Yeah, sulfur.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing.
1: So, I had forgotten that this particular town is kind of like country feel. Like, not all of Idaho is like this, but this part of Idaho is very the western version of redneck. I don't mean this is an insult. I just mean, like, this is the way they like their things. They like country music. They like to put people in the back of the pickup and the sheriff does nothing. Yes, and it's a sheriff. It's not like you know a chief of police. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so this is what this town is like, right? And they launched their fireworks from a cliff, <laughs> like across the river. And it was really nice. Like it was a good. It was. It's nice because then nothing blocks them, right? Like everyone can see them. But there were also people launching literally the same size fireworks within some of them probably within two hundred yards of us. Like, there was one, there were some people that were shooting them off from a parking lot a couple blocks away, and they're like a block and a half away. So those were really loud and big. And they didn't get up very high. They were, like, worryingly low. Whoa. And I don't know why, but there were two sheriffs, probably the county sheriff and, like, the city sheriff, parked right next to us, who saw this and did nothing, because apparently this is not a reason to be alarmed. (laughs) This is so different from Provo. (laughs) Where you can't even throw a snowball. Yeah. (laughs) that law would be in the show notes if we had show notes and there were also on the other side there was another family launching fireworks and then later in the night there was another family that started launching fireworks from their yard so that was our fireworks experience my wife liked it because she said it felt like the parties in the beach towns except it didn't have the music and the dancing but like there were shops and like people and they have like a river and hot springs and a big pool, so there were, like, lots of wet people. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in swimsuits and stuff. And so my wife kept saying, like, this is just like the beach, and I keep looking, and there's no beach. This is just like we're in a beach town. <laughs> so that was, that was my experience, and those were her observations. Also, she observed that the towns are really small, and she's not used to that. But that's not an Ecuadorian thing, that's just she's lived in Guayaquil, which is a pretty big city.
0: Yeah, it is. The city to small town feel...
1: Difference is for anyone that lives in a city and then goes to a small town. Right. Or the other way around. So, those were her observations. She liked it, though. She loves to celebrate any kind of holiday. I also feel like in Ecuador, it's almost like any excuse to have a party that they can get, they'll take it. That's my American view on it, but her view on it is, like, why not celebrate something? I mean, if it's something we're celebrating, let's celebrate it, and let's go all out. (laughs) And so she was... About as patriotic as an Ecuadorian could be. <laughs> I mean, she wore... It's like, their celebration. We're celebrating. But <laughs> yeah. even We're though so I'm it's... not American, let's celebrate it. I mean, she wore, like, she wore, like, red, white, and blue. And oh, she, yeah. She had, like, a flag bandana that she wore. Or it was, like, a headband that she wore. She had a little, like, American flag, like, a small version of it. Yeah, you're celebrating. Yeah, she's celebrating. That's like, what you do. So, anyway, I appreciated that. Yeah. That was our 4th of July. There's one other thing that interests me, uh, two actually, but
0: one, firstly, is the, um, the way people shoot off fireworks here. They're so dangerous. <laughs> it's like, like you were saying, it's like, do not see what you're doing. This is really dangerous right now, people. Do not shoot it off in the grass. Do something so it's sturdy, so it doesn't fall over. It's like,
1: please don't shoot fireworks well, off in the wrong way. You see, I think they're pretty good at getting them to go up
0: they are. It's um, like pretty rare that I hear any stories where it like they're going to shot that wrong right into the way. rocket
1: down, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think Gary, you have to understand this. The kind of person who is going to shoot fireworks when they maybe should not. Um and even like the people around me, my family are saying like I'm not I'm pretty sure that's not allowed, but the sheriff's not going to do anything about it cuz they're more concerned about other things. Yeah. Like if you tell them that it's most likely that nothing will be on fire once it hits the ground again, then they will assume that this is the case every time, that they will be like, ah, I'll take my chances on that. And, like, there's nothing you can do to convince them that the probability that something still could be on fire and the consequences of that, even though it's a small probability, maybe outweigh the benefit of shooting the fireworks. Like, there's just... This doesn't compute for those kind of people, I think.
0: Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's just different.
1: Because in Canada, fireworks are very
0: restricted and really hard to get. Like, people that shoot off fireworks in Canada usually smuggle them from America.
1: <laughs> and when you say that, they probably mean that they all smuggle them from Wyoming, which is where everyone around here gets theirs. Yeah, it's like... And when you bring them back, it's like, what fireworks do they bring back? Well, like, a handful of
0: firecrackers.
1: <laughs> you know, like... You're serious? Sometimes. Oh, my goodness, that's hilarious. To make that trip just for... No, they don't make it just for firecrackers, but they're going to bring them back.
0: Because if they're going to get caught, they don't want to get caught with something big. Because you are smuggling commodities across the border. That's not, not good. Oh, that's so funny. Anyway, the second thing that fascinates me is the Provo Parade. Do you Have you been
1: here for the parade? Ever? No. I nev- Well, I have been here. I have either always been working the few times that I've been in Provo on the 4th of July... And otherwise, I've been out of Provo. But did you know the camp on the side yes. of University Avenue? This is like a Provo and I think maybe a Utah Mormon thing. Yeah, yeah, it it's is. super weird. It is. I don't do this. Because I have a few
0: friends from out of state over near towards the south or the east. But it was just so interesting. <laughs> it was also interesting that this is where all the non-Mormons were. So, like, I went out. You mean all the non-Mormons were at the parade? Uh, They were there, like, on camping. So, what I mean to say is they, uh, we, I went for a walk at, like, 11 o'clock at night on the 3rd. So, there were, the streets were lined with people and they were partying because it was almost the 4th. Right. But everyone, not everyone, but there were many. There were lots of people who were smoking and, like, just shouting. Like, you could tell that these people probably weren't members of the church. And you could probably tell that they were drunk. There wasn't that much alcohol. You could smell some alcohol, but it wasn't very heavy. I think it has a lot to do with al- Utah's alcohol laws. Right. Which I found out on the weekend as well that they are really strict.
1: Yeah, probably. I talked with
0: a guy who used to work in a bar in Vegas. And, yeah, he's also worked at a bar here. And they're totally different. Oh, no, he didn't work at a bar in Vegas. Sorry, he grew up in Vegas. Okay, and so they have been bars in Vegas. No. Probably not, but it's Vegas.
1: Okay, so he knows what it goes on.
0: Yeah. Anyway, right. yeah, that was, it was interesting that these people camped out. And then I didn't see the parade, but this guy who I was talking to, he saw the parade, and what he said was, it was basically Miss from some city, Salem, Provo, Orem. Apparently there was a Spanish, no, sorry, there was a uh, Springville, Mapleton, like Springville slash Mapleton. So it was like, Miss Provo comes, and then Provo's float. And then, like, veterans. And then Miss Orem. And then Orem's Float. And then veterans. It was just... kind of lame. Yes. Like, these people camped out all night to sit on the front to see a parade like that.
1: I've never understood the appeal of parades in general. I've probably never seen a really good one. I would be fascinated to see New York's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That would be epic. Like, that is the epitome of... A parade to me. I think I would still be bored. Yeah? I think it's just parades for me. I, I just don't get it. But anyway, this was not that class of parade at all. No, I didn't even <laughs> see it. And I was bored. <laughs> you were bored being told about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That is so funny.
0: What I was going to say was I, my friend posted something on Facebook a couple of days ago. And it was like, what party do you belong to? And it was some Canadian thing. And so it went through, it must have been two dozen questions. No, it wasn't two dozen questions. It was maybe three dozen questions or four dozen questions. Wow. That were like very specific issues that the government deals with and is talking about like right now in Canada. Okay. And so you could answer, like, do you support this, yes or no, or there were other options where it's like, yes, I support this, but like this. And those were things that people had entered. So it's either yes or no or alternate answers. And an alternate answer, you could put in your own answer, your own suggestion, Uh or you could side with something else that somebody else had put in. Okay. Anyway, I answered these, like, 30 or 40 questions, and I ended up aligned in this certain way But I was curious because that was a Canadian version, and apparently they had an American version. So I did it again, and I did the American one. And it was so interesting to me to see the kinds of issues that Americans care about different from the Canadians. At least which ones are the hot-button ones? Yeah, but the thing that was most interesting was that when I was answering these questions, I would read them, and some of... Like so, well, not so frequently, but sometimes I would think to myself, like, why is this even an issue, like (laughs) at all? Why are Why are they debating this issue? It's like the whole country seems to be divided on this issue for some reason. It's like seems such a trivial thing that the Canadians are like, oh, that that's not an issue. We
1: just all agree that it should be the way. way this This is. I think you would be surprised to find out. How many Americans feel the same way about a lot of those issues? The same thing. Yeah. But then there's like a vocal enough minority about something. Mm-hmm. And then you get the people that are really vocal on the other end of the spectrum. And then it becomes a thing when most of the people in the middle. This is what happens in a two party system. Yeah. The moderates is. are always unhappy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think which makes Canada so different politically. Because it has. Way more because than it two actually parties. does have a mark. Like a legitimate multi-party system. America does too, but it's It's, a two-party system. Yeah, it's a two-party system. Okay, that's cool. But
1: it was just interesting that those were issues. Some of them were really funny to me. I'm interested to know which one was the funniest and which one was the most, like, baffling. Do you remember?
0: The funniest one was definitely, um, should illegal immigrants, I think, be required to learn English? Or should immigrants... Something about people coming to the country and not knowing English. So it's like, should these people be forced, more or less, to learn English?
1: Should they be expected to know
0: or or learn it? Learn it was what it was. And the answer was yes, no. And I was like, huh, what are the alternate ones? And one of them was, no, because America has always been a melting pot of diversity. And I was like, wait, like, wait, you just said a melting pot? Of diversity. Did you, like, understand what the word melting pot meant? It <laughs> means you all put it into the same thing. <laughs> As like,
1: your answer is so contradictory. It's funny. That is funny. Like, that, that's... <sighs> and it's that answer is still just no. Like, this is just someone who wanted to say no. Not that they felt in the middle about it. Yeah. They just wanted to say no and, and like, why. comment. Yeah. But it was the comment... That was so funny. The, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and then, wh- which one was the most baffling?
0: So, I, I don't quite remember which one was the most baffling, um, because the other issue that's been going on hot and longer right now with um, the Supreme Court's decision to legalize oh, gay yes. marriage. Yeah, I am bringing it up. It, um, it's really interesting to me, the kind of division that I've seen like i i looked at reddit as well and i mean so like facebook it has you know whatever it does but reddit is legitimately a discussion of what people appreciate and don't with the upvotes and the downvotes so you know how on facebook people have been changing their profile picture to be striped rainbow striped over top of their picture
1: i don't know about this but i think you you I may not have idea. seen it on
0: facebook but yeah. basically people who are anyway people have changed their facebook profile picture so that it's the same picture but it's now striped with rainbow, like, translucently over top? Right. Anyway, first comment, top comment in this subreddit of this discussion is, just so you guys know, they decided this because I changed my profile picture to rainbow stripes. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, yes, internets, you are so sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about the, this topic, to me, is Canada legalized this in 2005,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there was a bit of a thing, but it was not this big, anywhere near this big. Some of the funny comments are people who have said, like, oh, that's it, I'm moving to Canada. It's like, but did you, did you know that did you Canada, know Canada legalized it? it 10 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just interesting that I've read some people's comments and some people's posts that they're just feeling the doom and destruction of the entire nation. Like, that it's going to happen really quickly. But Canada did it. And it, like it's changed not very much
1: at all. No, I would disagree with you there. That it has changed a lot of things. It's just not very visible. No, you mean even Canada? Yeah, like, because I feel like it changed like that. It doesn't directly do anything, but it has implications, and then peop- I feel like it's going to affect the choices people it make. It does. And this changes society, and especially the environment that children are raised in. Yes. But you don't see those effects immediately, and you often don't even see them on the surface.
0: Yes, I understand that it is slow, but it just. It's just so different
1: that the reaction 10 years is ago, different.
0: it was not. Like, the Canadians were not so angry. As I... Or... I, I mean, the Americans aren't angry. But agitated. half of them are angry. Agitated. Agitated, yeah. It's just interesting to see, like, to read the comments and that it's... They are assuming it happens so... It seems... They're, they're so agitated that their writing pushes the timeline so much faster. Ah, uh, yeah. And then it would actually happen. And so that's what's most interesting to me about that. The... Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I'm not going to say that America, why is this even a problem for you? Because it's a pretty sensitive issue for a lot of people. But it's just different from growing up in Canada, where we are more socialist. And we are more liberal because we do enjoy the government regulating a lot of things so that it's better for more people because you have less of other things happening because you don't give so much control to the capitalists who are out to make money but you give control to the people who just like to be
1: they just like to live and do their stuff it's just interesting so this is like the difference between the socialist and republic I don't want to say republican because that's a party yeah
0: it's yeah it's not that
1: because Repub- the United States is a republic. But like
0: the pure the pure um, capitalist economy and the socialist economy. Growing up in Canada, we always talked about America as this capitalist nation. And it really is the closest to pure capitalism that exists in the world. But in Canada, most people do like the security of having the government regulate a fair bit of things. Um, and then as time has passed, America has also regulated some things, because it's important to, like, to make sure that the food quality is actually correct. Yeah, like, you have beautiful. an FDA. Like, it is important to have people monitoring the food that other people are selling. Right. Like, there are things like that that
1: are just It's imported. not just freelance, like, whatever you can get, whatever you can persuade people to buy off of you, that's how you can make money. It's, you can't do that with all things, like, medical care and food.
0: Yeah, like, there's some important things, and Canada, Canadians usually, like... A few more things regulated as well. Sometimes it feels a bit like red tape, and a lot of people complain about the red tape. But deep down inside, I think they know that things work s-
1: smoothly because you have regulations. But anyway. That's interesting. Politics. That's interesting how that like factors into the reaction. Anyway, we've been doing a while follow-up. Yeah, should we We should move on. We should talk about what we're actually going to talk about. This is going to be a long episode. It might. We might have to push them to the next episode because we may have to go soon. We'll yeah. see. We'll see what we can do. Let's see what we can talk about then and maybe move
0: some other stuff to another time. So, we're going to talk about life in the university. I mean, we can talk about this a lot longer than we are going to.
1: And we probably will bring up other things later, but... Let's talk about something that we are most interested in, though. What do people do all day? <laughs> I don't know. That's why we're talking about it. Because <laughs> neither of us know the answer. It's so like, we're just total speculation here. But what do people do all day?
0: People that don't study in the STEM. Science, technology, engineering, mathematics.
1: People that don't study math-based things. I know that some of them are very busy like, as busy as we are, but I can't imagine what fills up their time except for, like, I start to have nightmares when I start (laughs) to imagine what they're doing because I would hate it so much. The reading and the the writing. reading and the writing and the reading and the writing and the analysis of literature, which just seems completely pointless to me because you can't know what the author is thinking or it doesn't matter. I don't know. But then, shouldn't whatever I think be valid? Uh, I just... I can't do that. It's interesting. I think studying literature is actually more unique i'm
0: discovering is more unique than what i had previously suspected but yes it is something i just don't understand so i can see the reading and the writing yes but what i don't quite know is when people are trying to determine how long a homework assignment will take you know as well colton like in a physics or math assignment, you look at it and you think, maybe maybe an hour and a half. And then you do it and, whoa, it was easy and it took you like an hour. Or you go, you start to do the assignment and you're like, this is not going to take an hour and a half. This is going to
1: take two hours.
0: Nope.
1: It took three hours. This is because in almost any question, you can realize that you thought you knew how to do something, but there's a piece of it that you don't know how to do or you're not sure about. And figuring this piece out takes the majority of your time. Yes. And you just, you can almost never know when this is going to pop up. You can get good at like guessing when it might, but you can know. You just can not know. Betsy used to ask me all the time, so when are you going to be done with your homework? And I would always say, I just have no idea. Like I'll give you the, the guess, but this is the mean in, in something that has a standard deviation of like 35 minutes at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it truly does. So it's not a very good estimate. One of
0: my experiences is my thermodynamics homework. Oh. So this is a horror story. (laughs) Indeed. I would do my thermodynamics homework, and it would take me hours. I would start out with the hope that it would only take me one hour per question. Like, that was my hope and Granted. it never did, it always took longer. <laughs> and when you have seven questions That's that easily time. stretches to like nine hours. And I don't know if I was just having like if I, I I obviously was not understanding what was going on. But no one else in the class did either. I was just so determined to actually know what was going on that I spent A lot of time. A lot of time doing this homework. So I could guess that. I could guess estimate that one. So I'm going to do my thermodynamics homework. I'm not going to sleep tonight. (laughs) If I do sleep tonight,
1: that's a a plus. (laughs) Um, To be fair, your thermodynamics homework, I mean your thermodynamics situation, was not good mostly because your textbook was absolutely horrible. It was. Um, So this is not like the norm in physics, but it illustrates how bad the situation can get. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't know. Another another reason that I have this question of what do they do all day is because I remember winter semester, it was starting to warm up and I would walk across campus at a certain time someday, I can't remember, but I would semi regularly see someone sitting outside of one of the humanities buildings playing a banjo with a <laughs> beard. My other question is Is he even a student? <laughs> Yes, and why does he have the beard? I mean, you can have a beard on campus in certain circumstances. Like, if you're a student at BYU, you can have a beard. But I'm not sure. I don't know. Anyway, he was playing a banjo. And it seemed that he was usually there for quite a while, playing the banjo. Because I would see him at different times of the day, on this day of the week that I would see him. Like, two or three hours apart, he'd be there playing the banjo. And I would ask myself... Doesn't he have anything that he needs to do? <laughs> I mean, my day is full. If I have 14 or 15 credits, like... There's not enough time. There, Like, 16 hours is... Or, yeah, 16 hours, which would give me 8 hours of sleep, is not enough to do everything that I need to do. Yeah. With my job, that's not that much a week. And all of the homework and classes. And I just don't know what...
0: So, our friend... Yeah. Who is the ghost of the I Ring? Pretty much the only guy that I know of that outworks me. I'm well, not saying I work that much, but stays a, in the
1: I Ring an average of
0: all the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he told me he went to FHE once, which means he did go home. Like, he does go home and he does do things, but he was at FHE and this girl came and she's like, ah, oh, I had like the longest day the other day. Because, like, I didn't get off campus till like, 7 o'clock. I must have been the only person there. Oh, my goodness. I mean, she was probably a freshman. And even, like, even myself as a freshman, 7 o'clock, like my very first semester at BYU, 7 o'clock was really late. That still me. was not late for me as a freshman. but That's another issue. Uh, recently, and very frequently now, if I can get home by 7 o'clock, in a, sem- like a normal semester, not a, sem- not a term, but like in a normal semester. That is like
1: reason to celebrate. Oh, <laughs> you celebrate, you eat real food, you, you watch, watch YouTube something. or something, <laughs> you just, <laughs> you rejoice that you got home by seven o'clock. And you're just like, you spend three hours doing that and you're like, wow, it's only ten. <laughs> wow. I'm still awake for like five more hours normally. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or at least four. Anyway, let's go on to uh, other topics sort of things. Let's talk about, like, the classroom, because we're going to talk about university stuff here. Okay. So, most specifically, Colton and I noticed in our Math 334 class, which is uh, Ordinary Differential Equations, we had a professor who we very much appreciated because of our semester load at the time. He came in, he didn't have a syllabus... He just sat down, and he's like, so... (laughs) I love this. I don't have a TA. I'll assign you homework, but it's not going to be graded. There'll be a quiz every Friday. On the homework. On the homework. There'll be no midterm. And there'll be a final. That was like the whole introduction to the course. He said... Oh, he also added that the course was intended for math majors.
1: I think... Some questions drew out from him that our grade would be entirely, yes, determined by those quizzes and the final. And the final. He said 70% of our grade was the quizzes, 30% was the final.
0: We sat there for 20 minutes, prying information out of him to tell us, like, really? That's the whole course? (laughs) Anyway.
1: Like, there's no, there's no, and we were kind of excited. The class was
0: really good. He taught very well. It was spectacular, but we noticed a lot of people got lost in the class. And
1: Well, first, a lot of people dropped immediately after he said the class was intended for math majors. That is a good
0: point. <laughs> there was a long waiting list, probably 16 people for that section, and then after that class... After, this, after the class was over, like that hour... Well, there were probably, like, eight or at least eight seats open in the class. (laughs) Yeah. There must have been, like, 20 people who dropped the class. Yeah.
1: That was so funny. And we took the risk and decided to stay. Best risk we've ever taken.
0: It was interesting, though, because he would be explaining something, and one of the things was that Math 314, Multivariable Calculus, is not actually prerequisite for Math 334. But there are concepts that are used that would help. But you can understand what is going on through context clues of what's happening with the the mathematics. And it was a little frustrating, actually, to hear the questions of people's confusion because what happened was we recognized that people focus too much on what they don't
1: know. And this is, I think, the reason why they do it. I can understand this but like you got to have moderation. You got to mediate this this effect. Everyone is under the impression that they should have always been adequately prepared for the class that they're taking and if they're not it is someone else's fault not theirs. And to an extent this is true, right? Like you can't just expect someone to know this concept that they've never been introduced to before. This is why you have prerequisites for classes. But if anyone like heard the name of a concept, I, I think even if it could be easily understood through context clues or they could understand it through a context clue, if they, they just didn't try. It. They heard a name of something that they did not know, and it was like an immediate alarm went off in their head and like, oh, I have to raise the alarm. I was not taught this before. I have to let the professor know that I was not prepared for this, so you can't expect me to understand it. But there's this great thing about the human brain is that it can learn really well, yeah, so sometimes you can understand something that's based on a concept that you haven't already been taught, and from the context, learn enough about the concept you haven't already been taught that you don't really lose much or even actually understand the concept, yes, yeah, you can get to that point as well, like depending on how happened.
0: how much how far the leap is,
1: right, but it's like every time that you get asked to make that leap, imagine. Someone, instead of even trying, it's just like, oh, I don't know what this means, and <laughs> class grinds to a halt.
0: <laughs> yes. And that was kind of frustrating. And along the same lines, this pet peeve that we both have, paper cut, if you want,
1: yes is people asking the same question
0: over and over
1: again. I can understand if they say, like, I'm sorry, I didn't understand, but if they just repeat the question, it makes me think, like, they weren't listening just before, and then they come back from there not listening, and they're like, oh, I don't understand what's going on. I'll ask a question. Even though if they have been listening, they would have understood what's going on. Yeah, it's not
0: a general thing. But what happens, really, is that someone asks a question, the teacher gives a response, you wait a couple moments, then someone asks the same question. <laughs> the professor is usually very patient and answers the exact same question again. But, seriously,
1: people, Pay attention. <laughs> Please. Like, if you were paying attention, I don't mind that you had to ask the question again. But at all. I believe if you were paying attention, you would ask the question differently. Yes, because you don't want the same answer to come out because you didn't understand it. <laughs> because seriously, sometimes we hear
0: the exact same question.
1: Okay, paper cuts over. <laughs> yeah, paper cuts over. It was a short one, but it was deep. <laughs> Yes. That's more like a... I don't know what you call it, but it was deeper than a paper cut. Another thing on top, like online of...
0: Like in the classroom, lectures sometimes... So sometimes I think a lecture is good with a PowerPoint. Other times... Agreed. It's really not. It just doesn't fit. I think mathematics is something that you can't use a PowerPoint for very, very well.
1: No. I would agree. I mean... Explaining certain aspects of mathematics, or rather explaining how you use mathematics in a thing, that can work. Yeah. But explaining the math itself, no. I want to see you manipulate it. I don't want to see one slide and the next slide and try and, like, remember where the stuff was on the slide before and see what you did with it. Yes, I want to see you physically manipulate the language. This is why we need technology that could, like, allows us to move projections of things, so we can just do this in a PowerPoint with our hands. That would be nice. But one of the things
0: that I suppose this falls into a, a smaller paper cut is the expectation in physics to read before the lecture. For myself, in calculus, I would never read before I'd go to class, because if I did, I would get so bored, because the information would be a regurgitation of the textbook. And I would rather have the professor tell me and explain at the same time what's going on, and I could ask questions, basically like an interactive textbook, instead of reading the textbook, then going to class. I understand other concepts are very important to read before coming to class, but sometimes I just don't want to. Like, it's just, it doesn't seem worth it to me. And As a side note,
1: computer science does the same thing, in my oh, experience. Yeah,
0: I do agree that computer science does do the same thing. <laughs> <But> <laughs> at least here. Physics... Physics is different because they quiz you on, like, reading beforehand. And sometimes I don't have time to read or I just want to skim read it and not
1: answer these tedious questions. Yes, I agree that, like, I think physics has gone a little too far in the other extreme. In general, I really appreciate the general expectation in the physics department that you read before you come to class because it makes the lecture worth going to. Like, I'm paying for this lecture, I'm paying for the professor to teach me, and I want to learn something that I wouldn't have learned by just reading the textbook. Cause exactly. I could just buy the textbook and then not pay tuition. I would save a lot of money and time. Yes. But because other departments don't have this expectation, it's hard to condition people to read something before they come to class. Yeah. And especially if you're in a time crunch, the first thing that drops is reading. Yep. And so they have these quizzes to make sure you read. But a lot of the time, they go a little too far. Because sometimes you can get away with skimming it and, like, it's enough that you can get what you need to out of the lecture if you're in a crunch and some of the other classes are more demanding at the time. Yeah. That's how I feel about
0: this. It really is. Small paper cut. But it is useful. Sometimes when I read before class in physics, I read and I get the, the concepts and the structure of the physics that we're going to learn about. And then when I go to lecture they discuss in more detail what's going on, or the professor, if they're good, will explain
1: in a different way from the textbook. Right. And you get these two perspectives. And and this the, is why I like it, because I like the lecture to be like that. I don't like it to be a regurgitation of the textbook. Yes, which is what calculus is. <laughs> because there aren't that many different ways to explain calculus. That's true. It's almost like when you read, you may not understand everything, but it's okay. You've like created these little boxes, compartments in your brain, and you've like filed them properly. So, like, oh, this concept is attached to this one and this one, and attached to this bigger concept in this way, and then you go to lecture and the boxes get, like, filled up with things. Yes. And then you do the homework and the things that the boxes get used. Yes. And then you know better what they do, and then they make more sense when you put them back in the box.
0: Yep. And then on a similar note, when you read before going to something that's not math-based, like a psychology class or a religion class, Those classes are also super important to read before going to. Definitely. Because it makes the lecture, it's such, it's so different. In religion classes, they're very good. But I want to talk about psychology class. When you read before going to a psychology class, the reading is so much more than anything you can talk about within the time limit you have in class. Right. And so what happens is you go to class and you have this lecture and you talk about the key points that the professor wants to emphasize on what you're learning about. But you get to discuss these points, which is really what happens. Even in religion class, you get to discuss these points and
1: talk about how they relate to things. Because everyone already has, hopefully clear in their mind, how what the professor said relates to this part of John, and you don't have to have that clarified. You don't have to waste that time. Yes, exactly. And it would be nice...
0: Maybe I'm biased, but I think it would be nice to even have more of something like that in physics classes where you push the pace of the class a little bit more. Some classes. Maybe because I haven't taken any senior level classes yet, but some of the intro classes, definitely. I I feel like you could have just pushed it more. Do a bit more reading and then come to class and then go through the concepts more. But then again, you have a couple hundred people in the same class and you're going to lose someone.
1: Yeah, or a few someone's. And Especially if it's not a majors only class. Yeah. Like, they have a different perspective, and they may not be as familiar with the way the professor is presenting a concept.
0: Which is why I appreciate
1: these the upper division physics classes, because they, they're fast. Yes. They're not too fast concept wise. Sometimes no. they demand a little too much homework to go along the concepts, which makes them too fast. Yes. Most of them are okay, though, or good. But are we always going to end up with this, on the side of the things where there are less people? Like, I feel like there are less people that appreciate mathematical rigor than those that don't, among those who work with math. Probably. And among physicists, there are more experimentalists than theorists. Probably. Mm-hmm. Are we always going to fall on the less side? <laughs> probably. That's actually a good point, because
0: one of the things that I don't like about experimental physics, like, I'm learning more about like
1: the circuits part of experimental physics, I just. Oh. It's just so frustrating to me. Like, I... The lack of precision, even though you want... Like, it is... Don't get me wrong. Circuit, like, building is really precise. Yes, like... But for a theorist, there is still a lack of precision.
0: Yeah. And even, like, when you go from, like, the math of theory to the computation of theory, I feel like you lose out on that precision as well. But you just can't do nonlinear equations without approximating them. Yeah...
1: That's the problem.
0: So it's it's just sort of frustrating.
1: So are you also dying a little bit inside each day that we're in 430? Just a little bit when you're like, oh, we're going to do it with a numerical method. Um, it's not too bad. I do... Um... Just a little bit. I mean, just, just a little twinge of... <sighs> too bad. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little...
0: It is a little interesting. Sometimes I want to... Like, I wish I could solve it analytically with a machine, but I know that it's sort of impractical to do that all the time. Yeah. But, so what I, the way I see 430 is I want to learn the best method to do it. And I know that there are different ways of doing it, which give you better results depending on what situation you're doing. But I do want to learn the best method of doing it so that it's, um, well, it works out better, and it's more accurate.
1: Yeah, I mean, you want to get as close as you can if you can't... If there is no way with the analytic functions we've defined to write an answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I understand, like, you you know, I do it all the time. It's like, what's your N? What size is your N? 300? It works out. How about, like, 30,000? And then it's like, oh, it died. Because I wanted, I wanted it to be better, but I the machine couldn't take it. And I know that there's a limit there and so
1: I pushed the limit but I, I know to hold back from You know how we should end this? With one more one more petition to all the students. Pay attention please. Please pay
0: attention in class. As a quick thing from my experience, it costs a lot of money to uh, to go to university. But no matter how poor you are, you can always pay attention. Seriously, please. Pay attention.